and welcome to Basic Snitches. I'm Adam. I'm Tara. And I'm Jeff. Jeff is our secret special guest today. <laughs> Jeff is here, yay! Because, <laughs> because we forgot to mention that Jeff would be here last time, but here he is. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> to be honest, everyone, we have maybe like only three recording sessions for the rest of this season where there's no special guest. So get ready to meet... Everyone. And we meet a whole bunch of people. Jeff, tell us I do live close by, so I could pop in. We could just have always mystery. special guests. Kidding. <laughs> Stephanie was this close to coming today and wedding crashing us. She left me a voicemail today that said, no, I'm probably not going to do that. Also, she don't know shit about Harry Potter. No, so. that's right. I'd be a little bit worried with that. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I have been a Harry Potter fan since the day the first book came out. And I bought every book as they came out and read them, and then saw every movie, and I loved everything about it. And I recently went to Harry Potter World in Florida, and I love that too. What house are you in? Well, we could go on forever about this, but I feel that I belong in Ravenclaw, but every time I took the test, I ended up being in a different house. Oh. (laughs) Which house is that? What do you think? Hufflepuff. Yep. And I already told Jeff this, but all of our guests fucking this season are Ravenclaws. All of our guests usually are Ravenclaws. And I heard they were assholes. Our guests are not assholes. Ravenclaws are assholes. Our guests are all lovely. Okay. But Ravenclaws apparently are assholes, according to this series. If Sorting Hat asked me, I would ask to be a Ravenclaw, but based on what people tell me, I am more of a Hufflepuff. I agree. There's nothing wrong with being a Hufflepuff. Hufflepuffs are great. And after I saw Puffs... (laughs) <laughs> yes. Now I definitely like, oh. feel part of the Hufflepuff. The only house that you should not want to be is Gryffindor, honestly. Oh. Yeah, we're a bunch of crazy bitches. Okay. Yes. I mean, technically, so are Slytherins. Yeah. They're just different flavors of crazy bitches. <laughs> I mean, wizards. I think in general, we just go with wizards. Right. Yes. <laughs> It is now time for us to acknowledge our patrons, so thank you as always to Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Jeannie, Layla, Mary Beth, Megan, Meredith, Nisi, Olivia, and Raph. We appreciate you all so much. You can also join this list by signing up to our Patreon at patreon.com slash basic snitches. Feel free to join for only $3 a month at our lowest tier, Yeah Basic, where you will get weekly exclusive content as well as be acknowledged in every single episode. You can also join one of our higher tiers at the $5 or $10 level for even more access to exclusive content, new episodes, so on and so forth. Hope to see you join our Patreon family soon. What happened Okay, time? so the last chapter was chapter 21. I don't really have a winner. What happened last So time? that was the chapter <laughs> that we saw Umbridge being an asshole to Hagrid. It's a transitionary oh, yeah, chapter yeah. that ends with Harry having the dream. And Thestrals. And yeah. Charles. So, I mean, I guess if I were going to give the win to someone, I would give like a joint win to the trio for just being awesome. I don't want to give the win to Cho for being like, <laughs> Oh, I kissed Harry. I want to give the win to the three of them for navigating through teenage shit and also doing, like, the mature thing where they care for Hagrid like they always do. So I just want to kind of give it to them as all as a joint thing. And, of course, the loss in the chapter goes to Umbridge. Yeah. I was like, I really don't have a win for this chapter. I could give the win even to Hagrid because it is actually a pretty decent lesson. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, listeners, you can choose who the winner is. It's just not Umbridge and it's not right. Malfoy. Because <laughs> he almost lost the chapter over her. I gave it to her because ultimately she's a fucking adult and she's stopping being the worst. <laughs> exactly. And she 
was hella unprofessional. Talk above her breath about Hagrid. Mmm, hate her. Luckily, these upcoming two chapters, though, are pretty umbridge free. Mm -hmm. And speaking mm -hmm. of that... Jeff wrote a thing. Oh, yes, he did. And he sent it to me, I think. Yes, you, Jeff. He pointed to himself. Like, you, no, the other Jeff in the room. Did you email it to me? I did not. Oh, will you email it to me? You wrote it down. Oh, my God. He wrote it, like, old style. Go. This is the first thing that was not typed. Since, like, the <laughs> Look first... Look at your creating basic bitches. Right? Since, like, the first episode. Yeah, so that's true. That's we true. We were writing them there, okay. My thing I always type, but I love yeah. that. All right. I appreciate it. So and I figured like, you wouldn't be able to have your phone if you went to Hogwarts, so I was doing it like... Oh, look at this. He's he a purist. Yeah, so. I'm not. I have my phone right here where my notes are, and my notes are You know what's funny? We were, we were like, hey, can you give Tara your email? He's like, why? Stuff that <laughs> right. like, here's my email. Right. I mean, I sent you... But you saw me get yeah. that thing out. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, but this is Jeff's thing for chapter 22. Harry wakes and goes to see Dumbledore about his dream. Harry says he saw the snake's perspective, Mr. Weasley being attacked, and Mr. Weasley is taken to St. Mungo's. The Weasleys plan to go to Sirius's house, then visit the hospital. Harry wants to strike down Dumbledore, but it passes. They get a message from Mrs. Weasley that Dad is okay, but to stay where they are. She arrives at 5.30 a.m. and says he's okay. Harry tells Sirius about the dream and that it's Scarhurt and that he wanted to attack Dumbledore. They go to St. Mungo's and find out he was attacked guarding something. The kids eavesdrop on the Weasleys and Moody says the boy is seeing things from inside you-know-who's snake. But if you-know-who is possessing him, dot dot dot. And then the kids are all staring at Harry looking frightened because Harry is fucking terrifying. That part is mine. End of chapter. End of chapter. Which is very actually nice. really... Uh, you made it a very, very small for a hell of a chapter, too. I'm kind of impressed. <clears throat> well, I, like I have it. a three-page one, but that was the summary. So I was like, do you want a full one or the summary? Remember, he's a teacher. And then yeah. I, did the <laughs> I did cliff notes. So that was the... Next time I'll have way more. That's okay. okay. No, that's I really like okay. that because okay. that's really helpful. And I went to the meat of it. I left out little things that we could that's talk about. That's what we're going to talk about. Okay, are great. The, good, 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 good. Or okay. the meaty things. The meaty okay. things. <laughs> okay, so can I bring up a couple things that I wanted to ask? Sure. Why do you think Dumbledore was such a dick to Harry? Like, I hate Dumbledore in this chapter. Just in this book in general, he's okay. like distancing himself too. Yeah. That's definitely been a theme. Because yeah, at the beginning, he does what he needs to do to fix the situation and everything. I think he does a great job, but... And it was like Dumbledore refused to look at him. Dumbledore would not look at him. So there were other... You know, I did leave that out, but that was part of it too, is when Harry kind of yells at him and was like, look at me. It was He was like on purpose... Avoiding him after I mean, he invested so much into him, and then I, but I honestly, get it. Honestly, Harry He's has suspected. every right to be mad. Yeah. I don't care. Like okay. I will always be on the side of you. Don't have to tell him everything without, yeah. but you can still care for him, right? Or like distance yourself. He can still say, "Hey, Voldemort works in mysterious mm -hmm. ways." Based on everything that has happened, I just need to step back a little bit right. and observe and learn. Now it makes what you really guys bad. said that is a, he was distancing <clears throat> on purpose. So mm -hmm. I got you know where before I was like. 
Why is he just being an a-hole? I mean, he's also an asshole, but yes. Well, yeah, he has that (laughs) arrogant side, but okay. All right, all right. So the chapter begins them all going to his office. Yes. Um, So it's McGonagall and Ron and Harry. Harry is already in such like a high state of like anxiety here, I think. He's He's just super concerned, yeah. Right, and he's like so relieved that McGonagall's taking him seriously. And then they get there and there's no sense of urgency and you can just feel his frustration with like Mr. Weasley is hurt like someone needs to save him and I feel like, like there is a sense of urgency I don't think that there's enough of a sense of urgency because he, he has the sense of urgency absolutely but Dumbledore's asking these weird ass questions mm-hmm. and then he asks the portraits but first he's like so Harry how did you observe this I hate it Well, I think he has to figure out information. It's like what I had just said about Dumbledore and why he's being an asshole. He's gathering information, and then he does act pretty quick with these portraits and with Fox sending the the warning and everything. It makes no sense to jump right into action without knowing what's going on He's dismissive of Harry, but he definitely helps Mr. Weasley. I just think that he's kind of expected something like this to happen, and it's made kind of clear. So to me, the first thing I would do, I mean, because also in the same way, Harry said, this happened, Dumbledore knows where he Mm -hmm. is. Why doesn't he send the portraits first? They don't need to know. They don't need to hear Harry give his perspective. They've heard Arthur Weasley is injured and it's like he's bleeding everywhere. And so why does Dumbledore not go, let's find out if this is a real thing or not. And I don't know if it's like part of him still continuing to try to like separate himself from Harry. He's so cold getting that information from Harry. I don't it know. feels he suspected not... Voldemort's influence. Yeah. He's suspecting things, but I truly chalk it up to gathering information. Dumbledore doesn't know everything either about this situation. Sure. So he has to first get the information straight from Harry. Them running into the office being like Arthur Weasley is injured isn't helpful at all he needs to figure out where arthur weasley is well he knows where arthur weasley is he's the one that sent him there still like what if something had happened where arthur weasley wasn't there and he was injured somewhere else just saying arthur weasley is injured isn't enough information i disagree i just i feel like harry is in such this like anxious state and in like it's not progressing at all because we're seeing it from his perspective Mm -hmm. i get that albus dumbledore is being cold to harry but harry is not the priority here either Harry's mind is, why are we not focusing on this? Why are you asking me these weird-ass details when I've told you that Arthur is in trouble? It would be the same, honestly, if he came running in and saying, you know, like, Dean Thomas is bleeding out of his eyeballs, you know, like, That's we're going to rush in there. because they know where he is. But they, they know where, but know it's where Voldemort. he is. It's Voldemort. Exactly. So he's getting context clues from Harry about where he is. What if they, like, kidnapped him and dragged him somewhere and he's bleeding there? But why would Dumbledore be checking at the ministry anyway? Because that's he already knows where Arthur is. Because then it would be a waste of time. So first he's figuring out where he is and then he sends the portraits there. But Harry telling him where his dream is, what his dream is, does not tell him where he is. He says he was a, he attacked him. Context clues. There was information in there about what he was seeing. That's what it is. Yeah, no, I don't know. I just, like, if someone came to me and said, this person that I already know where they are is hurt, I just don't know why he couldn't do both. I don't know why he couldn't go, whatever the fuck your name is, who has a portrait of the ministry, go now, figure it the fuck out. And guess what? If he's not there while you're doing that, then I can find out this stuff from Harry, and it doesn't feel like we're dragging on this stuff. Because also... Arthur Weasley's son is there, also observing that 
Dumbledore is not immediately doing anything. I don't think he's wasting time. That's what yeah. it comes down to for me. I think that he actually handles it really, really well. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, one more thing is Dumbledore could be holding back some information if he thinks Harry is under the influence of Voldemort. So that could be two I words. I think that like, is... Whisper, 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 like... I'm going to still take action to help, but I need to with keep yeah. Yeah. a little bit back. That, I think, is more... I get what you're saying. For me, like, I'm not saying that he did it wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying it's. I see Harry's frustration there yeah. because he literally came out of this really upsetting thing. Someone he cares about his hurt as a child... Because we see literally how he responds at the end of the book. Yeah. His instinct is to act immediately. And so when someone isn't acting immediately and also yeah. acting fucking weird, if Dumbledore had been like, let me handle this, but he just goes, here's my weird question. Because he doesn't want to connect with Harry. So I understand all of that. I would be pissed as fuck like Harry is. I think my problem is that after the fact, after all of this, then Harry doesn't get a description. Like, what do you mean? Harry doesn't get a description about, like, what is going on, what is wrong with him and everything. Well, no. No one tells which him. that then impacts him in the next chapter and, like, what happens at the end of this chapter. There's two things happening here. There is the effort to try to figure out where Arthur Weasley is and helping him and then what Harry is feeling. And in my mind, the priority is we need to help Arthur. Yeah. That's fine. After the fact... Harry not getting any information, mm-hmm. yeah. that's what the problem is. And that, I think, is where Dumbledore has and is always cutting it short. I'm kind of surprised to hear that and don't think that Albus Dumbledore handled I didn't spot. say that I didn't think that he... I just said it felt very frustrating, and I understand why he was frustrated. Mm-hmm. From and Harry's point of view. From Harry's point of view. And yeah. and honestly, like my instinctual reaction is also the same as Harry. Is like, hold on, what's up with that? But... I get that. We need to do We're things. We're through Harry, but Harry's not the yeah. priority here. That's how I look. I'm not thinking <clears throat> about how Harry is a priority. Harry knows he's not the priority. He's not asking for himself. He's worried about Arthur, and that's where I'm frustrated. Is that, like, this child is upset about Arthur, and to him, he does. he's not seeing a solution. He's not seeing anything being done about that. He's seeing himself being interrogated instead of being like, I gave you information. Why are we not jumping on this? I will also say Harry has every right to be like irritated or annoyed and everything, but also Harry clearly doesn't know everything either. Right. And like, no. that, that's the biggest thing. And that's what causes like some major issues with how he reacts to things in the next chapter. Ultimately, in a crisis situation like this, you have to act fast. <laughs> some people might not know what's going on, but that's just how the cookie crumbles. Yeah. But then it kind of snowballs based on Harry's kind of point of view of everything. And again, this is something that we'll get into the next chapter because, like, Ginny, like, sets him straight real fast. Ginny is (laughs) But Ginny mostly. So anyways, they quickly... Dumbledore's like, here's the legal port key. Let's go. That too, like, (laughs) is it really that easy to create a port? Like, If you're Albus Dumbledore, yes. Now here's my issue with Albus Dumbledore. I got a list, but yeah. Have you ever used a port key before? This is how we're here. Because somebody created a port key that Harry used. Right? Harry's got, like, PTSD from port keys. He's like, I don't want to touch one ever again. Yeah. 
And now you're making me take one. This has been a shit night. And like, Dumbledore, you know this. So that was my biggest issue here. And then we did touch on Ron. More than anything, I would almost say even Ron is a bit betrayed. Because like, Ron, going through all this. This is his dad. Yeah. his dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you could say like, it's a father figure for Harry too. But Ron in particular, he's there for the entire thing. He saw what happened in the common room. He's the biggest witness. I almost feel like Ron is the main one here. When the rest of the Weasleys come... I kind of feel for Ginny too, but this might be another controversial thing. Maybe not. Because sometimes you point this out, Tara. I think the twins are being assholes in this moment. You mean when they get to... Maybe it's when they get to Grimmauld Place. It's when they get to Grimmauld Place. Because they are really combative with Sirius when they get to Grimmauld Place. It's almost like they didn't believe that something was wrong. Or maybe it was was a Grimmauld Place. It was a Grimmauld Place. Oh, Oh, I can't wait to hear this from Mm -hmm. Harry's lips. Like, it's very questionable. Displaced They're definitely, anger because of what it's happened very to their displaced dad. Anger. Like, and, they, and they don't understand. You know, yeah. like, that's kind of a continuation of this whole thing is that Harry's often finding himself in a situation as the singular person who has experienced this. Now he has to relay it to other people. You know, last time it was Cedric dying and Voldemort coming back. And now it's also, I was there in my dream attacking my friend's mm. dad, who is also someone very important to me. And now I have to tell the children friend. of that mitt and my best friend. And like, the way that Ron chooses to not respond to the way Harry alters it, now that he's like being watched by not McGonagall and Dumbledore and Ron, Ron is his best friend. But the other people who are But saying it in front of his best friend, who happens to be a Weasley, versus three other Weasleys, and Fred and George are angry from the very beginning. I think that Ginny is actually quietly an MVP in this moment too because too. she For holding her shit together. Well, she's holding it together and it's not like mentioned or like explained in the chapter. I think she's just observed this whole thing and she's thinking a lot harder about it than I think the boys. Yeah. I think they're being all reactionary, including Harry, because he's reacting to like the stimulus of what that must have been like having that dream. She is quiet. And she pays attention. And at this point, I think Harry is in a better place too. Now that she has Sirius as like a grounding point. You've got the Weasleys and then they hear that he's okay. Harry and Sirius are like the outsiders here. I see that there's just a lot of calmness coming from them. But if you notice the whole thing, I just, I really appreciate Ginny. I think she's just very... I think so too. One other issue that I have with Harry, part of it is like, can you really blame him? But... Yes, you kind of can, because actually blame is the key word here. That he's like blaming himself for this. Something about this dream caused him to think that he was the one who attacked Arthur. And even like, once again, I have to more on the next chapter. But how he goes into the details of it felt like he was attacking, so it must have been him. And Voldemort somehow having the power to like transport him there and all of that. It's problematic by Harry for Harry. Maybe I'll just leave it at that because there's more to talk about. Well, it's, that. it's very much one of those things where the worst case scenario is probably going to come from your own brain, you know? Yeah. There's nothing that's ever happened like this before. This is Harry. His life is literally just a series of shitty things one-upping the yeah. last shitty thing that yeah. happened to him. Why shouldn't he think that that's what happened to him? Because why the fuck wouldn't it? Well, and then the trauma of him not wanting to fall asleep after this, too. And now wanting to experience yeah. it again. Such yeah. a realistic fear. If something like that happens where you have this prophetic dream that is this dire, yeah, you don't want to have it again, obviously. Yeah, he's thinking about the people there or whatever, but also 
if that were truly the case, he might not even know the person that he thinks he might attack next. And that's why I get so frustrated with the adults. The only adult here with them right now is Sirius, and God bless him, he's not going to step in and do anything because he just doesn't know. And then it's the Weasleys who would look at Harry and be like, I'm sorry, we're the ones that need to be worried about what's going on with us. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing is that someone else's trauma and frustration and sadness and fear does not negate your own. And Harry is constantly in this state of craziness and he's still being like, but also I have to worry about everyone else. All of that problem comes on himself by himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do want to talk about Sirius really quick, and then there's a few details before we actually get to St. Mungo's, which is amazing once we get there. It's probably likely that Sirius didn't know that these children were a fo- He clearly has been drinking. He is clearly a well, late. because they just, they just told him. <laughs> right. They just, boom, he has children in his house all of a sudden, and two of them are being kind of aggressive. And all things considered, I do think that Sirius handles it pretty well. I think he does. Yeah. Especially when the twins are saying stuff like, well, you're not doing shit because you, ha- you can't leave. Okay, child. Stop being little dicks. Yes. Props to Sirius. Going back, the portraits in Dumbledore's office. I love them. Me too. I and- love when they yell at Phineas Nigelis. That's your job, bitch. <laughs> It was Phineas who was like, I'm too tired. The fact that we find out that he is the giggling portrait at Grimmauld Place, uh-huh. I'm like, oh my god, I gave you points. And instantly it made me <laughs> like him a lot more. So I was like, you know what? Those other portraits still give him shit, but I like him. But also this Dillis lady, something about her seems very fabulous to me. She was like these <laughs> yeah. long curly locks. She sounds great. I also like the one who was like threatening him. She's like, gets out the menacing wand. And Armando Dippet? No, it, it doesn't say what her name is. It just says that she's like this crazy looking witch and she like basically threatens Phineas Nigelis with this thick menacing looking wand. Oh. I'm like, oh, I, I like her. That one. She don't but, have a name though. But this is also the first time where we kind of see Dumbledore mobilize them mm-hmm. his, his own I love that. Me too. And truly like we've seen instances where people from the portraits go into other portraits where they are but seeing that like Dillis for example she's able to go between this one and then the one that's her portrait at St. Mungo's and obviously Phineas too with the one at Grimmauld Place Mm -hmm. now when they did go up into Dumbledore's office they said that they were hearing like all these voices it was like they were already there what were they already talking about it's like a slumber party and they're up it's probably like with all the headmasters I bet I bet it's like a special headmaster club yeah, <laughs> it's like midnight Dumbles, too. Like, Dumbles probably orchestrating all kinds of shit with these portraits. They all got other portraits somewhere else. And right. We learn a lot about how some things work in this book that I already touched on it, like the slide, for example. On the female side, turn into a slide. When we talked about that, I was shocked. And this is another one where like we see a little bit more about the mechanics of the portrait. Mm-hmm. And it's super interesting to me that we're learning about that now. And yeah, there's probably so many other instances prior to this where... My favorite thing ever is Phineas Digelis' portrait in the seventh book. Can we back up like one or two pages? There was something that said Dumbledore looked at a silver object. I have that too. Okay, I wanted to ask you guys about okay. that because yeah. so, I've been wondering. Cue the witchy music. It's 
like a divination tool that Dumble uses mm-hmm. where the smoke comes out of it mm-hmm. and it turns into a head of a snake and then it splits into two snakes. That's what you're talking about? Yes. It made me think of two different things. One was scrying, which we kind of see in Trelawney's class. Yeah. With like crystal balls, you can also use a mirror to scry, but you can also use smoke to scry. If you are like focusing on this object, the smoke can take like a different form mm-hmm. or something and you try to see like whatever in the actual form of the smoke. So it's interesting to me because smoke is also a cleansing thing. You know, burning sage to get rid of ghosts or whatever, bad energy. So that was interesting that this is kind of what they utilized here and that we're seeing Dumbledore do some form of divination. In fact, to see anybody do a form of divination other than Trelawney, I think is pretty interesting. So did he look at that immediately after Harry told him what his dream was, and then he contacted the... I think so. Okay. Tara's looking it up, listeners. While she's finding that, too, the other thing that was interesting to me is, I guess, the whole splitting of the two snake heads. I wonder if that also fuels Harry's thoughts about himself being the snake. Because, like, why Mm. would it split like that? Right, right. He does that after he sends the portraits to find the things and do the okay. things. Okay. Well, maybe he's still trying to get more information. Well, I think that you're well, probably you... right. This is when he sends Fox, and then Dumbledore now swooped down upon the fragile silver instruments whose function Harry had never known, carried it over to his desk, sat down facing him, tapped it gently with his wand. The instrument tinkled into life at once with rhythmic clinking noises. Tiny puffs of pale green smoke issued from the minuscule silver tube at the top. Dumbledore watched the smoke closely, his brow furrowed, and after a few seconds, the tiny puffs became a steady stream of smoke that thickened and coiled into the air. A serpent's head grew out of the end of it, opening its mouth wide, and Harry wondered if the instrument was confirming his story. And then he does the weird, like, conversation to it, and Harry's like, what the fuck this means? Right, yeah. But in essence, divided. With a look of grim satisfaction, Dumbledore gave the instrument another gentle tap with his wand. Grim satisfaction, too. That's important, because I think that that might almost be, like, confirming the whole Horcrux thing, maybe? Oh, I've never thought of that. I figured it was more him confirming that that was something that could happen. There could be a connection between... Harry and the snake. Harry and the snake. Yes. So that or one and the same. I mean, yeah. It's two different ways to look at the same thing. But that's kind of how I looked at it was it was like almost a confirmation of, you know, something happens in life and you're like, let me consult my tarot cards and see like if I can gain any additional information. So it's definitely part of that. But what whether it's a connection between Harry and the snake or the fact that both of them are horcruxes. And I think Harry reads into it in that, oh, he and the snake are the same, but instead it's just that they're similar in a completely different way that nobody would know up to this point. Right. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. And still like a little mystery, you know, like, right. hmm. Something completely unrelated, but since we went back to Dumbledore's office, yeah. I was just like to point out that I feel like maybe Mrs. Norris just wanted McGonagall to play with her. She was like, please be a cat and play with me. Mrs. Norris hissed at McGonagall. That's why Bentley's Because she's bad. pissed because she wants Miss McGonagall to play with her. She don't understand that. She didn't come up and bad. be like, hey, bitch, play with me. Rogan's leg first. Maybe they can't talk to each other when she's not a cat. I don't know because... Who the fuck knows? I think McGonagall knows that that's a bitch cat. But I was like, why is Mrs. Norris here? Like, what the fuck was the purpose of being here? Yeah. Get out. But maybe she's going to go back until Umbridge. Maybe. Fuck. We don't need to talk about her. Let's go to the hospital. <laughs> this is where the chapter explodes for me. You love the world building. The world building is just freaking amazing. First of all, the entrance to this hospital and the fact that it's a hospital is the creepiest thing they could potentially make it. Yeah, why is it that? 
I like that it, how they did it. Like, I think it's super creative. Wow. Like, they have to talk to this creepy mannequin, and then the mannequin starts moving, and they walk through the glass. Mm-hmm. And then to see all the people in the waiting room and all the different ailments they have mm-hmm. is just so cool to me. There's a lot of other elements about, like, how it's lit with the soap bubble candles and some of the things, like, the names that come up. There's plaques everywhere about, like, the healers' names and, like, past healers. And there were so many names that I almost found myself a little overwhelmed, similar to how I was in Goblet of Fire, because in Goblet of Fire, you learn about so many new people. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm like, when are these other people going to come up? Right. Are they important later? You know, and then the one, they made sure to connect back at Dillis. Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah. Dillis. I was like, I appreciate that. I don't know if it was just to like show the contrast of all of the portraits. But yeah, I felt like there were a lot of them. And I, my brain was like, are we ever going to see these names again? Yeah, Augustus Pye for some reason. That one like pops out. Well, that was too. the student. Yeah. Maybe if he's elsewhere in the series, he Is could he going to be. be like captured by motherfuckers in the seventh book or something? Maybe. It could be any of these names. Mm-hmm. Or even trying to like relate one of them back to another character we've seen. Like Sturgis Podmore, for example, was one that came up. And we have Sir Patrick Podmore in the second book. I really loved all the detail here. Eventually they do end up going and seeing Arthur. He's in a special ward for severe bites. With a werewolf and some bitch with a stinky leg. Ooh. <laughs> Wait, tell anyone what bit her. I also like telling the story about how that guy was like, stop asking me fucking questions or I'll bite you. Yeah, I like that guy. I don't give that werewolf man points, but I probably should. Actually, before we go into, there's one of the, my notes are all over the place because I just have This them. chapter is like... It's very sporadic. Yeah. The name of the department store that this hospital is in, <laughs> didn't really know how to say that, is Purge and Douse. Which are like the opposite. Purging is like getting rid of stuff yeah. and dousing is almost like overwhelming something. Yeah. And so I was like, is there a reason for that? Like purge and douse. I don't know. It felt very, very specific to me. And the fact that it's two words that are kind of antonyms of one another. That's interesting. Mm. I did not think about that. Yeah. I just like the ladies were like, that place is never open. It's an abandoned place. Right? I'm like, why would you think it's open? There's one creepy ass mannequin. Like, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's boarded up. Why do you want to go there? Yeah. I did want to mention that before we get a little bit too much into some of this, but then once they do end up seeing Arthur, there's this theme of wounds that won't heal. Because Hagrid's wounds didn't heal previously either. Same with Arthur's. So I wanted to point that out. And then of course we know that he was on duty at the Ministry of Magic. We know now that it's that he was And he almost protect- says where he is and then he cuts himself off. Yeah. It's the Hall of Prophecies. He was mm-hmm. guarding yeah. the prophecy. Yeah. And like the movie doesn't, which we'll get to in, in two Just seconds. Fuck the movie. <laughs> yeah. For these chapters, fuck the movie. But the movie does no effort to like hide that fact. No. Another thing that Arthur almost always says, he talks about the guy who made the toilet explode. And it was like, he was covered in, and then someone cuts him off. I was like, he was about to be like, that man was covered in shit. (laughs) One of my favorite things about Arthur is he, like Hagrid, says stuff that he probably shouldn't. He's much better about it than Hagrid. Mm -hmm. But he always manages to say it around the people who will stop him because he will listen. It's like just an ongoing trope with him, which I appreciate because Arthur is comedic relief. But he's also just so endearing. I find Arthur easily to be one of the most endearing characters in the series. It's interesting that both of us found the connection between Arthur and Hagrid. I bet when Arthur was at school, he was buddy. 
buddies with Hagrid. Oh, probably. I make it canon. And since these books have no author, I can do that. Exactly. <laughs> My only other real question before we get to the end, which I think is something definitely to discuss, how did Nagini escape the Ministry? Or get in there. Exactly. I have no idea. I wonder if Nagini has special powers because... They a snake. He operates snake. She. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry, Nagini. Sorry, Nagini. I also wonder, I mean, because she's a snake, so, like, she could attack him and then go hide somewhere because she's a yeah. snake. But they searched for her in all the snake places. <laughs> Hogwarts had a giant snake in the basement Maybe for, like, a bajillion is. years. Nagini was, like, peace out and went, like, diving in a toilet. Probably. Was there anyone working with Voldemort that could have helped? I think Voldemort definitely has fuckers in the ministry. Obviously, by the seventh book, they're all over the ministry. But, like, I think that he's probably got some in the ministry now. I mean, Lucius Malfoy is in the ministry just waltzing around. He ain't doing shit. He's just moving around, Maybe showing off his hair. the snake crawled into the shitter. That's it. Which was the hint back from what Arthur was talking about. Yeah. The shitter exploding. <laughs> this guy got covered in poo-poo pee-pee, and that is also how Nagini got it. Nagini's like, uh, this is gross. I gotta get out of here. Here I am. Now I gotta attack this guy. Yeah. I don't care if I have to swim through shit. Unlike that exploding toilet man. <laughs> and then the very last thing, of course, is when they're eavesdropping through the door with the extendable ears. Adults, you know those fucking twins have those goddamn ears. You did not raise Fred and George, Mrs. Weasley, without knowing that they would have 16 extra pairs of this. <laughs> you know they're listening. And do you stop the conversation? She's obviously not thinking about that, but it just made me think, they're fucking ready. They're like, yeah, I gotta eavesdrop on this. And like, they're doing this without thinking about Harry either. They could be talking about anything in there. Right. Like, you didn't but... listen in on your parents and they're ta- all kids do that. And the parents know that the they kids know. are listening. Yeah. So... They're at this point where they know Arthur's gonna be okay, so you brought a bunch of teenagers with you to the hospital then you kick them out of the room so you could talk about what they know is going to be right. top secret shit well, that's exactly it it's basically like okay leave so we can talk about order of the phoenix stuff and they're like, and they're oh, like oh okay i'll leave <laughs> there's no way you don't know that's uh-huh. happening also moody you have a magical eyeball you can see through the fucking door and you know they're all out there and you're gonna talk about harry anyway that's a really good point this is very problematic this is not cool and i'm sorry that conversation is very pointed we're the end of this section can you like outline exactly what was talked about. So at the, at the end of the chapter, everyone goes in and then the teenagers are left outside. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad because like the twins are like, Harry, if anyone has any right to listen in, it's you. you saved dad or whatever. And so then the five of them are like, we're going to listen in. And then what they're listening in on is basically Tonks and Moody and Mom and Dad Weasley talking about Harry possibly being mm-hmm. possessed, possessed by Voldemort. The snake, you know, vanished. You know who can't have expected a snake to get in. And then Moody being like, well, he must have a lookout, which is why I was saying that the ministry is probably right. someone. And then they're like, so Harry said he saw this? Oh, he must be possessed. Mrs. Weasley is the one that says Dumbledore kind of expected this to happen. What? Honestly, we'll discuss all these things again in the next chapter because it all runs through Harry's head and ruins his Christmas a little bit until finally Mm -hmm. Ginny comes in his lack, snap out of it, motherfucker. Right. The only other thing I was thinking about in this chapter, I wanted to talk about Sirius again. Not only how he handles everything right afterward, but when Harry goes to talk to him, Sirius does the things that Dumbledore should be doing. I mean, as Harry's godfather, he's the one that's like, you're in shock, this scary thing happened. I'm here if you need me. Like, he does a beautiful Godfather thing. And I'm like, yay, serious. But sadly, Harry wanted to hear all that from Dumbledore. He, I think he did. But Dumbledore's conflicted, like... 
I think that's so this, frustrating. Right. And, I, you know and obviously, like, it's not something that Dumbledore can come out and say. So no. I'm going to give Dumbledore that pass because he can't be like, Harry, I can't talk to you because Voldemort's maybe trying to possess you and <laughs> then he can hear everything I say. Like, I get it. I yeah. understand. Yeah. You also are supposedly the greatest wizard of all time. So you can't take, like, five minutes to work out. How do I reassure a teenager mm-hmm. that he hasn't completely lost his mind and that people are supporting him? No, I'm not going to bother doing that. When Mrs. Weasley is near Harry, she comforts him, but she doesn't seek him out. Right. So that brought up another thing, actually, speaking of Mrs. Weasley. When Mrs. Weasley came and, like, hugged Harry and was grateful, in his mind at that moment, he's thinking that he was the one who attacked her. Yeah. yeah. That was an interesting thing, too. I mean, it's a lovely Molly moment, and Molly doesn't know that that's what he's thinking. Right. Because he's thinking incorrectly. But at this point, it's all new information for them. Mrs. Weasley really is a person who has made it a point to show Harry that he can think of her as a parental figure. I wonder if Harry hesitates with her because she has all those children and because he's just constantly been in this state of being like all the other people who could have done this who don't have children they're taking care of don't so I must not be deserving of this. I want to add a little because I disagree a little bit with you because even though he's blood relative with Dudley, they treated him like crap. They treated him like not a sibling. They treated him horribly. So I think when the Weasley family welcomed him, that he's like, this is my family. Oh, well, this is my home. This is my second family. Or, you know, I never had one. Yeah. So I don't know. I, kinda, I know. I agree with what you're saying I there. I think it was all guilt of, oh my gosh, this is the woman that opened her home to me and I'm best friends with her exactly. son. Exactly. And I could be the one that harmed her. Well, no, no, no. That's yeah. actually yeah, yeah, yeah. what I was saying. Okay. Okay. Yeah. too. It's brought up in yeah. too. He's not unaware that she loves him and that the family okay. cares about him. It's a personal thing. Yes. We see in these two chapters of just how much he does not feel like he deserves anything. He yes. doesn't deserve yeah, there. That, and right. so I think that that has always kind of been this hesitation that probably came from a lifetime of being raised with no one caring yeah. about him. Being like, even though I'm aware people love me, I don't tell people shit because I'm like, that's fine. They love me, but I don't want to be a burden. And that's, I think, Harry is very much in that mm-hmm. regard and that's like that, yeah. and I think that he could look at the situation and be like if I wanted to vent and like needed a mom to cry on I know she'd do that but what kind of burden would that be to her yeah. it ended with the kids all look at him and they're scared shitless yeah like, oh, oh yeah. my god like however yes. in the next chapter I think a lot of people will it's almost like they understand for Harry that all the things that they thought of about that yeah. is bullshit you know yeah. I agree yeah Tara and I fucked up consecutively because Tara does not have a game prepared, but I do. <laughs> Typically, Tara would have a game prepared, and I forgot that. See, that's teamwork. Yes, psychically connected. So we are going to play a game that we haven't played for a while, and that is Oh Ship. <laughs> different characters together. In the past, we used it as like a different way to do Would You Rather, but instead, I'm going to give you a list of six characters, and I want you to ship them together. Gotcha. (laughs) The six characters are all characters we see in Dumbledore's office, and those are Armando Dippet, Dillis Derwent, Professor Everend, Phineas Nogelis Black, Fox, and Albus Dumbledore. So I just need to verify which one is which as far as... The people I don't know. You okay. Know. Right. I'll tell you two. Okay. Basically. We know who Albus is. We know yes. who Fox is. Yes. Mm-hmm. We know who Phineas is. We know is. who Phineas yes. is. 
Dillis Durant is the lady with the curly yes. gray hair. She's the healer. She's the one at St. Mungo's. Okay. okay. Armando Dippet is... I know who he is. Yes. And he is the one of the people who is like, Hey, Phineas, get the fuck out your frame. Yeah. And then... Was um, one of them a Slytherin? Phineas was. Phineas Okay, was. okay. Professor Everend is kind of like the other one who he's like, hey, go and look in the ministry. Was he also like a minister too? Or was he just absent? I think he just did something at the ministry. Their renown is such that they have portraits hanging in other important wizarding institutions. Yeah. So, but he was the one that was in the ministry. <clears throat> he basically said, hey, I heard something. Someone go check on that. Yeah. So he's not, wasn't like in the Hall of Prophecy. Right. Or okay. We're setting up three ships here between those six. Not two ships. I mean, you can do whatever the hell you want. Okay. If you want All right, to go Tara could go first. Okay. Then. Definitely doing Armando Dippet and Dillis. Because my only other, like, memory of Dippet is that he was a pretty chill, nice, laid-back headmaster. He was headmaster when Tom Riddle and Haggard were there, students. And he seems like he's maybe not as driven as Dumbledore. I mean, obviously, as a comparison to Dumbledore or whatever. And Dillis is a healer and also was a headmaster. And it feels like she's just doing all the shit. She's Hermione. I'm sure Hermione has like six of her biographies. I'm definitely going to do the two of them. I mean, it's obviously like Dumbledore and Fox makes sense because Dumbledore and Fox. But I kind of want to switch it up. I would too. Because. I want to see if you're going to do what I would do. I'm going to put Fox with Phineas. Okay. Phineas is so sassy, so fucking great in the last book. Fox can do anything, and I feel like Phineas, even though he's just in a portrait, I also feel like he can do anything, and I like them as like an unstoppable pair. Okay. Um, so yeah. putting Everend with I'm gonna put Everend with Dumbledore, just cause maybe Everend is also like, if he's important enough that he has a portrait at the Ministry of Magic. Maybe he's a person who's like Dumbledore, but understands how to have power and be like strong and smart. And like they could, you know, kind of contrast well. He could balance out all of Dumbledore's extremes. What about you, Jeff? I was thinking two ships, and <laughs> ship number one would be Dumbledore, Fox, and Dillis. And they would be some type of a healing quest. So you're grouping them not I'm, necessarily as in they fucking. Hold on, let me tell my okay, story. Okay, okay. <laughs> so part one is gonna be this quest, and they're going on some like healing thing they need something healing and they needed fox for his you know healing regenerative and her specialty so maybe it's an origin story backstory about dumbledore or something when he was younger or like when he first got fox so that was just one idea <laughs> and then the other one the three people i don't know a lot about they would also be shipped together and same thing it would be um they have to work together to figure something out and maybe it's a backstory something but i don't know a lot about them but something where they kind of bicker but then they have to, each one has to have one of their strengths and then maybe it's a backstory about the origin of the portraits or Hogwarts story or something like that. But I definitely like origin stories and all the background details about people. So that's exactly where my mind went was origin, not origin who was orgy, but then I was like, well, then you got to throw Dumbledore in with all the guys and let Fox and, and Dillis go on a quest for healing then and let the guys have a foursome. I like the orgy. Okay, so that's there you go. So, the, the orgy for the bed. I do like the idea of Fox and Dillis together because they are healing people. Yeah, yeah. Healing, healing yeah. bird people, whatever. But I am going to keep Dippet and Dillis together because I, I agree. I like that pairing. However, I am putting Everend and Fox together because Everend just seems kind of chill. Like, he's the most boring out of all of them. And I don't know, he can have like a cool bird because he's chill. And then, you mean uh, Fox can have a 
chill pet friend. Friend. Yeah. A pet fox. A pet, pet human friend. Pet human friend. Yeah, sure. And, and then, then who's Dumbledore getting with? N- he's getting Phineas because oh. to me they are like these old queenie couple. <laughs> Definitely would have been fucking. I agree. Movie time. Movie time. Uh, <sighs> okay. I mean, I think it's clear that not having St. Mungo's in the movie is a huge loss. I think and it's an even bigger loss in the next chapter. Exactly what I was just going to say. Yeah. You gotta cut something. I say it's... No. It was a necessary sacrifice. I think that it would have been so cool to include. It gives more personality to some of these characters, especially around Christmas time, having to go to hospital during Christmas time. It gets you away from Umbridge for a little bit. All they show in the movie really is the little part in the office. So now in the movie, it's a little bit more of Dumbledore just like, oh, talking to Portsmouth, and then Harry screams for some reason. He's like, look, look at, at me. me, bitch. What's happening? And then Snape comes in and is like, I'm here. And Dumbledore's like, take him away, Snape. I hate so much about this scene. And it's like 40 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> here are the things that I love in the scene. Michael Gambon is brilliant as Dumbledore. His lines are shit, but his acting is brilliant. Maggie Smith, she's got the concerned look down like a fucking queen. She's wonderful. That being said, the rest of the scene can fuck right off. It's like you have the Weasley children there, but you're not focusing on them at all. Why are they there? They're not there for that scene in the book, really. It's just Ron for that part of it. And then they bring in the other children. So, like, why are they there if you're not even going to show them? If you're going to show them, fine. I won't even get into fucking Snape being there. Because that's so stupid. When we saw Snape come in, I was literally like, what? What? what the yeah, he's like, oh, we don't have any time to lose. But and, like, and it's because we cut everything. Everything. Out and yeah. Like the next chapter after. The There's next gonna be a tiny bit of Christmas stuff. We'll have to watch through because the next chapter in the book is gonna have the Christmas stuff and the serious stuff with all of that. But other than showing Arthur coming home from the hospital, which that's it. Like it's just such a weird cut. To show the occlumency first. I hate that. Why did they have Harry screaming at Dumbledore? I think Dan is great. His acting is great in the scene. But, like, it doesn't make sense for him to do it in front of all of them. It's similar to... There was a Hermione that we were like, why the fuck does she do this? Mm-hmm. It's like an outburst that is completely not necessary. My only thought is that in these two chapters, we get so much of Harry's inner monologue mm-hmm. of him being like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Yes. Perhaps this That's is the way the they weight. can show it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that it, like, boils out in this way but it's very awkward they never address it and then it's oh time for occupancy if it were being addressed or there were more time spent showing even like how people reacted to that it's just Dumbledore looking at him and being like okay I gotta get Snape up here they do some lovely stuff in the movie with Harry and Sirius here in the next section after this next chapter but had they shown Harry doing that to Sirius I would have understood it more in the movie mm-hmm I've been cool with some of the cuts up to this point and some of the way that they change things, but this is where we do start to really lose it. It's pretty annoying. Plus 15 to Sirius Molly... Dumbledore, Harry, and Arthur. That's the highest amount that I'm giving. Harry because he's going through it. Arthur because he almost died. Molly because it's her husband. Sirius because I think he handles it fine. And I did think that Albus jumped into action. Obviously we already talked about all that. That's how I felt with Dumbledore so I give him points. I'm also giving 10 points to Ron, Ginny, Tonks, and Moody because Tonks and Moody are also there to help and Ron and Ginny are also, I mean that's their dad. But I did take five away from Fred and George because I think their attitude sucks. (laughs) 
And they were like, it's time to eavesdrop. And that caused Harry to like feel even worse about everything. So I am also giving plus five to Dillis, Everin, and Phineas for helping. Can I give points? Yes. I mean, you can. They're not official though. All right. Unofficial so, points, unofficial points it are to the Weasley family in general for how they handled the news of their dad being injured mm-hmm. and how they treated Harry. They could have came after him way worse than they did or like blamed him for it and they didn't. And then I thought the listening in was still being a friend to him. Is They wanted to help him figure out what happened. So even though it was bad news, a good friend still gives bad news to a good friend. So they still were on the path to helping him figure out what happened to him instead of like keeping hush-hush. So in general, a few extra points to the Weasley family for handling their dad near death experience. That's cute. I actually, not ended up in my I know, I, but I actually like agree with that point. They don't. They really don't come for Harry. They've got some toods, you know, at the beginning. Yeah, they reacted, you know, a little bit about their dad, but overall, I think they're a good family and they handled it well. But, okay. These are fine. But unofficial points. But they're still, they, they're dicks in this book. Yeah. They are. The, the twins really are dicks in this book. We but. still love them. So next time, Jeff will still be here, and we will be discussing chapter 23. When is next time? Right now. Literally right now. Christmas of the Post Ward. (laughs) We take a five-minute break. Well, yes. First, we have to end the episode. Calm the fuck down. I thought you were going right into the next one. (laughs) All right. Farewell, ladies and gentlemen. It was fun. And everyone else. Bye. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!